Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Grief Out Loud podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Janita Cristofaro and wanted to give you just a little heads up as you listen to this episode, you'll be hearing references to our old name, which was Dear Ducky. So just so you don't get too confused, you're listening to the right podcast and we look forward to bringing you even more great content under the Grief Out Loud name. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everybody. This is Brendan Connolly over at the Dougie Center, and I'm here with Jana DeCristofero. Hi, Jana. Hi, Brendan. This Welcome. is a this is a funky thing because Jana and I. This is a little inside baseball on this podcast. We're in the same building, and maybe even to you, it sounds like we're talking to each other across the table, but we're not, are we, Jana? No, we're actually in our own offices. Yeah, it's it's a little weird to be in our own offices, but it, it works out okay. And this is our DIY podcast set up with minimal investment, and we hope you enjoy it. <laughs> um, so I'm excited today, Brennan, Brendan, because we, um, you know, in our last episode, we talked just more broadly about some things about grief and the timelines of grief and yeah. the myths of of how that works out for people. And then this week, I believe we've got two questions from people who wrote in wanting some information and some help. Yeah, that's right. We have uh, the first question from Anna, and she is asking what to do with her partner's ashes. And, And she has two kids, ages five and 12, and she's just trying to figure out, she doesn't mention how long ago her partner died or how long the ashes have been around, but um, she's hoping to get some in- insight on what, how to involve the kids, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, what do I, what do I do now? Um, and it sounds to me like, you know, maybe uh, for some people, they have a clear idea from the person who died. Maybe they'd had a conversation or a plan around what the person who died wanted to have done with their body or with their ashes. And it it sounds like for Anna, there's uh, no information about that. So she's sort of left on her own trying to figure out what to do. And with, and with kids, I mean, you've got kids that are a little bit older than that, Brendan, I think. Yep. I've got uh, 10 and 13. Yeah. A little bit older. And so, you know, how important it can be to make sure the kids get involved in some way. Yeah, I, you know this. The ashes is interesting. I haven't ha- I haven't had a lot of experiences like this. Although I will say, my uh, a while back, last summer, two summers ago, my uncle died, and his kids, my cousins, um, took his ashes and had them made into a kind of. This is going to sound awful, but it was kind of a Alka Seltzer, big old Alka Seltzer tablet, and we paddled it out into the ocean, a bunch of people. And, and that was really meaningful for my cousins and for me, really. But he was just, my uncle was a surfer. So, you know, a bunch of his buddies and family, we all got on our boards and paddled out into the Pacific and um, said so long to Uncle Bill, you know, mm-hmm. it was cool. It was really, it was really nice. So they found something that was really representational of who he was in the world and something that he loved. Yep. In a yep. way that they could connect. Yep. And was that something that did he know about what he wanted beforehand or was that something your cousins came up with? Well, I, th- I don't think he knew. I think he, he knew that he, did, he wanted to be cremated. So he knew that much. But I don't think he at, 
he wasn't expecting to die, and I don't think he ever really uh, thought a whole lot about it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he, was, he was focused on the right now with everybody. He was really trying to be uh, real present with folks, and and wasn't the kind of guy to uh, plan super far into the future. So, so I think they ended up with his ashes, and then they and they knew they were going to have some kind of a a surf memorial with friends. Um, so they pulled it together, the two of them, and they're you know they're adults, and so they probably did their research and figured out the best way to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So they had sort of half the story of knowing their dad wanted to be cremated, but then the right. rest of it they created. And and it sounds like for Anna, that's you know she's in that situation, um, yeah. and with having younger kids, you know one of the things that's so important to start with that there's there's no right or wrong thing to do with the ashes. There's no uh, prescription, and when you have a family involved, it can it can involve some negotiating with the other people in the family. So, you know, there's Anna and her two children. There may be some uh, in-laws involved. There may be some other people that need to be involved in that discussion or not. And that can be so different for everybody. Uh, Some families will choose to keep the ashes at home with them forever. And other families choose to scatter the ashes or have the ashes buried. There can be questions about whether or not to keep the ashes all together or to uh, separate them out so that different people in the family can have portions of those ashes. So there's a lot of different things to, to think through, but under the guise of knowing that there's there's no right thing to do. Yeah, and you talk about um, family, but I'm also thinking of, I know I've heard of stories of people who have had really strong community ties and maybe not necessarily with their with their spouse um, or their partner, they may have some interest on this like a railroad club or something that they do with their friends and mm. and have this tight bond with those people, and then also a tight bond with family, and then everybody, you know, feels a pull to honor and, and memorialize the the person in their in their way, and and so then the family is maybe uh, wrestling with some of those community questions too, right? Exactly, right. So maybe, you know, starting for Anna and her kids and for the three of them to have a conversation. Uh, Maybe she talks to both kids together. Maybe she has a conversation separately with her five-year-old or her 12-year-old because they may be understanding things differently. But to ask them first, you know, do you want to be involved in what we decide to do or or do you not? Because for some kids, they may not want to and that's okay. Uh, And if the kids do want to be involved, to start talking through some of the options. And it, it may be really helpful for Anna to first get clear for herself what she thinks she's comfortable with or not comfortable with uh, so that when the kids are coming up with other ideas, not to say that she won't be open to their ideas, but that she um, has some sense of what she would like to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I imagine kids need, I know my kids at least, at least my, my little one is so full of questions and needs lots of additional explanation on, on things, maybe more than I'm I just assume a lot of things, and and then he just has all these questions about backstory and everything. So I imagine that that would happen as well. You may be pushed into talking a lot more than you really wanted to. Exactly, and kids may ask questions that can make adults very uncomfortable. I was uh, talking with one of my coworkers yesterday who shared a story of a 
Akiru was probably maybe, maybe a year younger than Anna's youngest. I mean, I think he was four. And there was a discussion about what to do with dad's ashes. And one of the options were to um, scatter the ashes in the garden because the dad loved to garden. And for this little guy, he, he got very confused. He's like, well, how does that work? I mean, does that mean that, you know, part of dad will be over here and part of dad will be over there? Like, will there be an arm here? And so they had to explain, you know, the process of it. It doesn't work quite like that. Yeah. Um, for him and then older kids may still have those questions but may not, may not be as forthcoming with them so it can be helpful even with older kids 12 year olds 13 year olds to say do you have questions about you know what this process was like and what it means to have these ashes yeah yeah so as they're you know thinking through that there's so many different options uh, a lot of our families here at the Dougie Center end up having pieces of jewelry made with the different oh. pieces um you know, portions of the ashes. So necklaces, bracelets, those can be really important things for people. Um, other so people. that's pretty common, right? I mean, I, I've seen a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Is that is that a pretty specialized thing? Or do, I mean, how do you, how does one, where do you find out about that? You know, I'm not sure. I think there's a lot of different uh, companies that do offer that opportunity mm-hmm. for um, having jewelry made. There's some more specific places that will do uh, like a hand-blown glass vase yeah. that can get created. Uh, there's uh, there's even a company that makes a memorial tree urn. Uh, I think it's even a local company in the mm-hmm. Northwest here. And so yeah, I've seen that. A particular, it uses just a small portion of the ashes so that others can be kept or scattered. And then you can plant that tree with that particular urn with the ashes in them. It's all biodegradable and exactly. it grows a, grows a tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. And there's some really, you know, I've heard a lot of different stories. There's some really um, unusual things, or at least mm-hmm. unusual to me. Um, mm-hmm. There's, you can get lead um, lead pencils made from mm. the ashes. There's even a company in Britain right now where you can get the ashes put into a vinyl record of the person who died's, um, oh, maybe their favorite album. So there's a lot of different things. I would say the majority of our families uh, scatter the ashes bury the ashes or or keep them at home yeah that's been at least in my really small experience uh it's been a little bit of scatter and a little bit of keep at home Mm -hmm. and and really helpful to talk you know for Anna to talk with her kids uh and thinking long term about it I was talking with a teenager the other week in one of my groups who said you know we've talked about scattering the ashes but I really don't want to I like having my dad in the house so then I know if we move we can always take him with us and if we were to scatter him somewhere and then we moved far away I wouldn't be able to visit the place uh, of where he is and then for other people they really it's important to to scatter them in a place that felt really um, connected to the person who died yeah you uh, you showed me a list of, of things that people can do with ashes and a couple that really stood out beyond the lead pencil were mixing into paint and Tattoo ink. Mm-hmm. Those are super interesting to me. Uh, I I think we'll put. This is a great list, and probably you can find similar lists around the internet. But we'll throw this up on the show notes, um, so that uh, if you're interested in the full list, the st- some of the stuff we talked about and some of the stuff we didn't talk about with with respect to ashes, um, we'll have it up there on the show notes. Great. So should we get to? Uh, I know we have one more question. Yeah, Eric. Yeah, Eric wrote in too, and and was curious. This is an interesting question. He is. He'd like to know. He was 
whether he should go to his friend's mother's funeral. Sounds kind of tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially if he didn't know his friend's mom. Yeah. I'm thinking it might be going in that direction, and uh, and that can be really tricky. Um, you know, as, as I think back over listening to people who who talk about the funeral, the memorial, and talk about who was there and who wasn't there, you know, it, the details can be pretty hazy for people of, you know, I'm not exactly sure who was there, but if there's particular people that they thought would be there and weren't there, they definitely remember that. So it really stands out to people who's not there, mm. sometimes even more so than who is there. And, yeah. you know, keeping close at, at hand the idea that oftentimes the memorial is there to honor the person who died, but also to show support for the people who are alive. Um, and if this person is a really good friend, uh, it makes sense to me to go if uh, he may want to check in with his friend to, to see Um but I wouldn't see it as an intrusion in any way. So you're saying uh, check in, maybe go, and also check in to see if they can be uh, part of the support network, right? Exactly, right. So there may be a chance since he's you know good friends with this person whose mom died and he didn't know the mother, he may be in a, in a unique role where he can be offering a support tangible support like are there people flying in from other mm -hmm. places who need rides um, do you need someone to help pick up food or help someone to hand out programs so to offer that really tangible support can give you know this this person who wrote in with the question something to do and also to provide that really specific support yes yes do you think well how would that go with somebody who didn't know the deceased and was handing out programs how would that do? How would that go? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like if that was me, I would be feeling a little awkward because somebody's going to come up to me and want to talk about, I don't know, I guess you just be honest and say, you know, I'm friends with the family mm -hmm. and not, not say, say you have any really great memories with the mom necessarily. Right. Exactly. And, and again, it goes back to what we, what we mentioned for for Anna, the, the person, our first question today of having this person really check in with themselves before they offer support, like what are they comfortable with? So yeah. if there's someone who's comfortable doing more behind the scenes things, then that's what they should offer. Um, and it better than just saying, what can I do to help? Like come up with a couple of uh, choices of things you imagine they might need help with. Because oftentimes the person who's grieving, they are pulled in so many different directions, they don't even know what they need. So it can put a lot of pressure on them to say, tell me what you need, um, depending on the relationship you have with the person. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be, that gets me all the time. You know, somebody, people, good, good hearted people wanting to help. And you've got maybe half a dozen people saying, hey, tell me what, tell me how I can help. Well, right. I need somebody to help me figure out how, what to tell all the people who <laughs> right. want to help, right? <laughs> right. Oftentimes you can, you can do a really uh, valuable role by being a buffer. You know, you show up and you're right there by your friend at this memorial service and you come up with a signal that your friend can give you when they need a break or yeah. when they need you to step in because there's going to be so many people most likely coming up and hugging this person and asking them questions. And so if you can have your like personal assistant buffer one, yeah, you can say, uh, we'll be back in five minutes. Or, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, my friend really needs a break from hugs right now. Uh, yeah. And then you're then the friend who's the one who's grieving doesn't have to put themselves in that tough position of uh, speaking up so much. Yeah, over and over. Right. Yeah, that's good. 
that screwed. That's that is a line of thinking that doesn't naturally occur to me. I feel like I'm I'm always willing to, and I think I frequently do. You know, I'm behind the scenes, behind the curtain kind of person. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'll set up and clean up and not be out in front. Uh, although, you know, being out in front's okay, but I just feel like I'm naturally better as a support kind of behind everybody. Um, but it would be, I, I like the idea of having somebody right next to you um, being a buffer person. I don't know. what would, is that, would you call them a buffer person? That's how I've, I've been in that role before. Really? Where I've, you know, if I, I'm with a friend and they're, you know, kind of the, is their closest person who died and we're at the memorial service. And uh, this actually happened to me this summer when a, a good friend of mine died this summer and I was with their, um, their ex-partner at a memorial service and everyone just kept coming up and kept coming up and wanting to talk to them. And I could tell they were like, I need a break from this. And so I just moved into um, like traffic control. Like, can you please go get a glass of water? Can you please go get us something to eat? Can you please go attend to yeah. I'm just making things up just to create space for this person who was feeling really overwhelmed? Because oftentimes at the at the memorial service, say, you know, this person who called who wrote in with their question, that's you know, their friend's mom who died, so many people are going to be coming up and wanting to share their grief with um, with this person's friend. And that can get really overwhelming. Yeah, I, and I bet, you know, grievers are often very, very exhausted and tired out. And But the role that you just described makes me tired just listening to you talk about it. <laughs> I imagine, I think about me, if I, if that, if I was in that role... I would need to go home and I don't know what, like not be around people for a while, take care of myself a little bit. If you were in the buffer role? Yeah, the buffer role. Oh, for sure. And that's the thing. You show up to support your friend, but you also have to be making sure you're taking care of yourself so that you don't get so worn out um, that you can't be there for your friend in the future. Yeah. Uh, Is there a secondhand grief you know what I'm trying to say? Like secondhand smoke affects you. Mm. Someone else's, does someone else's grief, if you care about them a lot, I imagine that would take a, a somewhat of a toll on you, right? Well, I think there's two aspects there, right? There's just the, the physical the physical exertion and the mental exertion and the yeah. emotional immersion of, yeah. of showing up for someone else and being really present for them. And then there's also the fact that you're, say you're at this memorial service or just listening to your friend talking about the fact that their their parent died. There's a good chance that your experiences with grief are going to come up. And, you know, if you've had a parent die, it might take you back to your experiences. Or if you haven't had a parent die, it might take you forward into imagining what it will be like for you. So just to be aware that if you are in that support role, that your grief can get um, activated as well. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm tired now. I'm ready to be done so podcasting today. So I should be calling today. on you to buffer for me uh, this weekend uh, if I need it, huh? Right. Yeah, right. Well, those were good questions. Uh, Jenna, anything else? No, Brendan, I think that might take us to the end of uh, this episode. And just for people to know if they have questions that they'd like us to cover in one of our upcoming podcasts, that they can email us at help at Dougie. It's D-O-U-G-Y org. That's right. And maybe put something in the subject line, like something about podcasts, so it's easier to sort out from the other help 
emails that we get. And be sure to check out the show notes on this podcast episode and all of them. This is episode 002. So we're not very far along down the road, but all of our podcasts can be found on Dougie.org, D-O-U-G-Y dot O-R-G slash podcast. And all the shows are arranged there, most recent at the top and the show notes. So if we talk about some interesting book or link or long list of what you can do with Ashes, uh, it'll all be in there. All right. Thank you so much, Brendan. Thanks, Jana. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening.